wild dream and exceed your wildest imagination. Listen to this. He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Can you say amen? Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. We live in a loveless and fatherless generation. So today we honor and we're thankful for the men who've stepped up to the plate to be godly, good, good fathers. These three gentlemen that stand, that's it, before you, <laughs> are gentlemen that I believe prayerfully the Lord has brought together for this Sunday morning, for the message. They will be kind of tag teaming each other. Brother James Jones, Pastor Jones, who serves as our senior adult minister here at the church, he is going to be coming first. Then Brother Jim Jackson, who works in our children's area and department, and he does a great job with them and, and all over the, other, the rest of the church, wherever he uh, uh, volunteers with his family. And then Brother Marty Tackett, who serves on our council and in ministry and Oasis Youth Ministry, is a, one of the leaders and helps me in many, many ways as chairman of our finance. And so he is uh, someone who is very close to my own heart, and besides all that, he's my brother. So there you go. But these gentlemen all come with qualification. I've watched, and I mentioned this in the first service, and I'll try to do it again to justice. But Brother James has been with us a little over a year on staff, but they've been with us for many years as their family, the Jones family and the Bales family, have been a part of our congregation. So many, many trips, he and Sister Beverly uh, would come and, and be with us and visit with us. And now we have them. And I've watched over this last year how that his family honors him and he leads them. I've watched how he, he cares for them and, and how the, the, the thing that, that touches my heart the most is the way that they look to him and, and give him such honor. It speaks well of his heart to be a good, good father. And he is that. And I appreciate him and honor him today. And he will share with us the heart of the father. And that would be a beautiful, beautiful message that he's qualified to share. Jim Jackson is a, a man's man, a sports man. He's got four boys, and they're all involved in all kinds of different sports. And you can see Jim always stand. He never sits at a ball game. He's always standing on the back so that he can be, like, given instruction from the bleachers. And he's constantly there supporting and loving his children, his sons, his wife. And yet, at the same time, I've seen him in moments where he genuinely seeks out counsel and advice concerning the raising of his children because he has such a heart for them beyond the sports, beyond the activities of life and the ways that they'll make him proud there. He spends a lot of time nurturing and fathering them, and he is with us today to talk about how a father's heart loves his wife. Brother Marty Tackett, who, again, I've mentioned is my brother, and he has been someone that I've watched clear back to the beginning 
when he came into our family. And I've seen him as he's raised his daughters and how he has been a leader. He's a patriarch. His, not only his daughters, but his, his grandchildren, they, they look to him. They follow after him. He just, he's a leader. And I've watched him spiritually lead his family as well as in so many other ways, a strong personality. But I've watched how he has shown patience and kindness and gentleness and yet wisdom that is so beyond himself as I've watched him as he would silently at times stop for a moment in order to get the mind of God before he even speaks to his family. I've loved watching how he fathers and how he loves his wife, who is my baby sister. So these guys are going to be sharing with us. I know you're excited to hear them. They are qualified as godly, good, good fathers. In the first service, I read the lyrics to the good, good father song, but I'll spare you uh, as we want to get right into it this morning. But good, good father is our father in heaven who gives us the greatest example to follow. And these gentlemen have done that. And I believe God is going to touch them and anoint them to share with us today. So make them welcome as our first speaker comes. Great, great. This is Father's Day 2019. I don't know how you feel about Father's Day, but as I was pastoring, I always had several people who'd come and say, I don't like Father's Day. I said, on Mother's Day, you praise mothers, and on Father's Day, you rail on fathers. Well, I'm an equal opportunity pastor, and I'm going to rail on both mothers and fathers today. Not really, not really. I uh, just want to share some things that are on my heart. Pastors ask us to share, and we'll tag team this for a little while and have you out by two. <clears throat> oh, that melts my heart. Oh, that just took my breath away. My heart just skipped a beat. How precious. If you haven't said these things, you've heard those around you who have said them. What's behind a statement like that? The purity, preciousness, beauty of that moment is so overwhelming and disarming that we can't even fully express it. We might say this about a baby, everybody perhaps has, but the idea of saying this about a powerful father is beyond us. I think that this idea exactly represents the intense passion of the heart that I hope will become um, meaningful and, and even uh, challenging to not just fathers today, but to all of us. Uh, I personally think that the role of both mothers and fathers have been provided for us by God for our learning. It, it's obvious and very subtle ways that God is teaching us how to fulfill our roles and how to be like Him. Uh, we've learned, and what we learn about Him and about his love for us is extremely important as we go forth in our role as uh, fathers. Uh, who has more influence in the early life of a child than the parents? We have responsibility as parents to fulfill the role of teachers. While the knowledge of facts can be taught, the passion for values must be caught. Kids do what they see. Fathers must model a certain strength and resolve for the principles that flow out of a deep passion for a personal experience 
with God. Quite possibly, a heart for God is the most important thing that can be passed down to the next generation. If I ask you which of your favorite sports, which was your favorite sports team and why, uh, what would your answer be? Um, one of my childhood uh, models was my brother who was a pastor and uh, had uh, a high place in my heart. And he loved the Braves with a passion. Now, whether you're for the Braves or not, I don't want to debate that. Are they still a team? Well, he'd stay up late when they had West Coast games and and maybe we talk on the phone and uh, ask him what he's doing, and that's what he told me. And so I caught his passion for the Braves. They were my team. I want to mention to you today that our desires drive us, and it also guides others. What I caught from my dad, however, I caught later in life. We were not that close when I was growing up. It was a good thing that he wasn't the disciplinarian because he was kind of rough, kind of gruff. Um, he was pretty quiet. He wasn't the life of the party by any means. He couldn't debate the gospel or articulate his ideas very well. And we lived in a rented home all of our lives. By the time I was in college, however, I not only loved him, I liked him. was not very affectionate, but we knew that he loved his kids. His exemplary work ethic was not to buy bigger toys for himself, but to provide for his family. He was making a living for us. You could count on him to be home in the evenings, whether it was nice or stormy. Not only caught the value of hard work from him, but I caught the value of faithfulness to the house of God from him. He was a faithful steward as well of his finances, and he was generous to others of what he had, his meager uh, salary. He taught us all a great lesson in tithing, and if you'll endure this for a few minutes or enjoy it, whatever the case might be, he settled the age-old question of whether to tithe on the gross or the net at least in his mind, he settled it. In the minds of several others, they're not going to tithe until it is settled. Okay. Well, he decided to tithe on his gross. Notice this thinking. And then he said, when I'm retired, the tithe will have already been paid. I like that. That's fine. We lived on 90%. At retirement, he said, you know, the Lord has been so good to me. I'm just going to continue to give my tithe to the Lord. It wasn't for show, but it was because he had a heart for God. Now, knowledge and desire are similar and connected, but not the same. It's not what we know that motivates us. In fact, the Bible says, knowledge puffeth up. But frankly, it's what we want that motivates us. 
It's our desire that drives us. We are motivated to do whatever we want to do. If we want something, we'll move heaven and earth to get it. Second mortgage even, if necessary. We should know this, though, folks, that God wants us to love him with that kind of desire. He longs for us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength while you have it. In fact, this is commanded of God in both the Old and the New Testament. Jeremiah 24 and 7 says this, listen, I will give them a heart to know me. That's what God wants of us, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I'll be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. God chose Israel, by, and by extension, King David as the apple of his eye. Why? I believe it was because David had a heart for God. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. David had a heart for God. King David conveyed, conveyed this uh, heart for God. Uh, actually, as he uh, extended the kingdom, he conveyed this heart for God idea, not just to the nation of Israel, but to his own children as well. He did this with brokenness and humility. He didn't do it with mean-spirited regimen, but by meekness and kindness and love. First, First Corinthians 13, the love chapter uh, gives us directions as to how to love each other. In fact, the, 12th, the last verse of the 12th chapter said, Now I show unto you a more excellent way. This more excellent way that we have been shown is charity. Charity are the legs of love. It's doing. Submission is, uh, to God is the heart of love. And as David conveyed the kingdom to his son Solomon, he demonstrated his heart for the Almighty God by establishing this foundation of submission for future generations. I wish I could underscore the importance of this, and I know it's not in my notes right now, but the, the whole idea of submission is God's. He loves the humble and, and rejects the haughty. God wants us to submit ourselves unto the Lord. And in submitting ourselves unto Lord, to the Lord, we'll find that we're supposed to submit ourselves to one another as well. So submission is the heart uh, of love. And as David conveyed this kingdom, he shared this great principle. 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness. Thine, O Lord, is the power. Thine, O Lord, is the glory. Thine, O Lord, is the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and all that in, is in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head over all. 
Do you hear it? It's not mine, but thine. I found it quite interesting that what, what David said to Solomon must have been passed along to other generations. And, and so now we see that Jesus, the, the son of David, who is destined to be the eternal king, used the same phrase teaching submission to his disciples to the purpose and plan of God in the Lord's Prayer. I just cannot get over it. As he says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. <laughs> Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, not mine. Thy will be done, not mine. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts and forgive us our debtors as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever and ever. Fathers, your children will catch what you have a passion for. Do you have a heart for God is the big question. That heart for God was not just for that generation. It's for every generation. And this is the challenge to every father who is willing to be used of God to change the lives of those who have been committed into our care. Godly fathers must have a heart for God. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let us, with great diligence, guard our love, guard our passion, and guard our heart for God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. For those of you that uh, don't know who I am, my name is Jim Jackson. Um, I first came to this church as um, I was going into my senior year in high school, a long time ago. You guys might remember the youth pastor at the time was Pastor Ray. So, so many years later, um, life has brought us back home. I've been given the duty this morning to talk to the fathers about something that, and all of you actually, for, for something that's very close to my heart, and when I was given the choice of what topic to pick, I knew exactly which one I was going to pick. Uh, but first, let's face it, dads, Father's Day isn't quite as big of a deal as Mother's Day. It's just not. Mother's Day, there's a higher attendance at church, a standing room only. You know, there's people dress up better. Mothers often have corsages. <clears throat> you know, everybody, emotions are running high. What are you doing after church? We're all going to mom's house to pay homage to the woman who rocked our cradles. It's just Father's Day, just, we just, I just want lunch and maybe a nap. That's it. That's it. Having said that, Father's Day is a time to celebrate the huge contribution made to the family by our nation's fathers, our nation's dads. A uh, special uh, moment of the year to say thanks to all the sacrifices made, all the hard work given, um, all the long hours of parenthood, freely given but rarely acknowledged. 
and an opportunity to salute the simple white nobility of being a father. <clears throat> Today you've heard and will continue to hear from some wonderful men of God and um, amazing fathers about being a father and what it means to be a good, good father. The segment I've been specifically charged with this morning is more centered around the wives. And I specifically remember being, I want to tell you, share a story with you guys. I remember being a, a young father, a young husband. And I'm going to be a little transparent with you this morning. I am not very handy around the house. If something breaks, I can't fix it. Odds are I probably broke it. So when something breaks, you know, I have a hard time with this sometimes. And my wife, my beautiful wife, when we first got married, you know, when something would break, I'm going to use an example like, uh, let's just say hypothetically the starter in our van goes out. And my wife lovingly tells me, do you want me to call dad? Still hurts to hear it. Still, it hurts to say it out loud. No, I don't want you to call my father-in-law. I don't need his help. I can handle this myself, thank you very much. Oh, can you? Yes, I can. But let me tell you guys, I want to share something with you, because my, my father died when I was, he passed away when I was 12. Now, I have had my father-in-law in my life longer than I had my father, my actual father. I want to tell you, I want to brag on him just for a minute. I want to share, tell you how cool my father-in-law is, okay? He is already at the door because my wife already called him. <laughs> and he shows up, and he can already read me a little bit. And I'm like, you know, yeah, starter in the van went out. I'm going to go out and look at it, see what we can do. And so he's like, okay. And so we go out, and he looks at Now, I'm not, I'm not lying when I tell you I know nothing about vehicles. I know nothing. The man had to actually point and touch where the starter was. Okay, but let me tell you how cool he is. He looks at his daughter, my wife, and says, We've already had this conversation under the car where my wife isn't. And he says, and he, we get out of the car, and he's like, Jimmy's got this. He doesn't need my help. And I look at my wife like, It's like a knife to the heart. Do you want me to call my dad? No, I don't want you to call your dad. Because I want to be the man of the house. I want to be the protector. I want to be the provider. I want to be the superhero to swoop in and save the day. And I want to be the man of her dreams. And that is actually the title of my segment this morning, The Man of Her Dreams. Some of you may have uh, heard um, of a... Uh, legendary college basketball coach, uh, coached UCLA for several years, John Wooden. 
and he won 10 NCAA championships in, 12 year, in a 12-year period of time. And in his memoirs, A Lifetime of Reflections, on and off the court, he writes, the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And I couldn't agree more. This morning, I want to talk about a specific father that's mentioned in Scripture, and it's not one of the more well-known dads. Um, You know, some of us may not even recognize the name of this father, but we'll know, most of us will know his son, Samuel. But um, Elkanah is mentioned in the Bible, and although his mention is brief, it's not as detailed as Hannah, but it highlights two powerful lessons that fathers of every generation can benefit from. And the first lesson is that a godly father must love his wife. The Bible instructs us in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what Elkanah did. He loved Hannah very much and he showed it. Of course, there are numerous ways to show your wife that you love her. But what we're seeing from Elkanah is uh, we can chisel it down to two things, works and words. And that's how Elkanah showed his love. In 1 Samuel 1.5, it says, at dinner time, the Bible says, to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. It was such a small but significant act. Elkanah loved his wife and tried to show it in a simple act of service. may seem like something insignificant to you but it's very it's 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 how many uh husbands answer this question how many times has your wife said you know what it's just the little things that mean so much more and that's what my wife has said to me over the years it's the little things and that's what Elkanah has figured out here (coughs) so we can do those simple acts of service for our wives the same way that Elkanah did, whether it's make the bed in the morning, do the dishes, don't leave your underwear on the floor, take her on a date every now and then, buy her flowers once in a while, show, show our love through works. Elkanah also showed love through his words during the meal. Elkanah says, why aren't you eating? Don't be downhearted. Just because you have no children, you have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons. And it was in 1 Samuel 1.8. And that cracks, cracks me up. I love it. Because, okay, Hannah's problem is, you know, she's sad. She's got the weight of the world on her shoulders. She just wants to be a mom. She wants a child. And she swears, you know, to God that, you know, look, I'll, I'll dedicate this child to you. But she's down because she, she hasn't had a, a child yet. And Elkanah looks at her with a serious face. I'm assuming it's serious. But he looks at her and says, you have me. What more could you want? Huh? Huh? So, but we're going to give him credit because he's trying to lift her up through words of encouragement. And we'll give him an A for effort. But he saw his wife hurting, and he, and he wanted to encourage her and show, to show his love. Now, I'm not going to pat Elkanah on the back too much without commenting on his glaring mistake, which is he married two women. But Elkanah does give us some wisdom here when it comes to loving his wife. 
Now, from my point of view, this happens before Samuel is born, and, and this is something that I've said for years with uh, family and friends whenever this topic's come up, is that she was here before the kids. She's going to be here after the kids. So it is so important for, for, for me and for my heart that a good, good father loves his wife with all of his heart and shows this love to his children. That brings me to my next question. Why is it so important to show love to show love to the mother of my children. <clears throat> in his book, John Dresser states, the book was titled, If I Could Do It All Again, he shares eight things that he would do differently. And if he could go through the years of being a father all over again, can you imagine what the number one thing on his list was that he could do if he had it to do all over again? He says, if I had it to do all over again, first of all, I would love my wife more. Because loving my children, my children's mother more would create an environment of security in our home. Our love would be something they could see, something they would never have to worry about. Dads, let's not wait until we're looking back wishing we could do it all over again. Godly fathers love their wives. And, it, it, you know, if you're a single dad, still, godly fathers love the mother of their children. Godly fathers desire to be the man of her dreams. Today we're celebrating and honoring fathers. Being a father is a, great, is, is, is a great responsibility. What we do as a father will impact generations to come. Our children will learn by watching us and they will become the type of parents that we were. Children learn by our example. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, train a child in a way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. And we have to start training our children from birth to be obedient and to love the Lord. A show of hands, do we have any, like, is this for fathers, is this, like, who's, whose father is this is your first Father's Day as a dad? Do we have a couple? Oh, congratulations, I'm so excited to watch. What we have to start training, it starts from birth. From birth to be obedient and to love God. And we have to show them by our actions that we too love God. And that he's first in our lives. And this brings me back to Ephesians, and Ephesians 5.25, and I'm going to read on to 30. <clears throat> Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless husbands we are to love our wives the same way that Christ loved the church the same that Christ loves us Christ loved us so much that he laid down his life for us through shedding of his blood We've been made holy and blameless. Husbands, we're to lift up our wives, not put them down. We're to see our wives as Christ sees us, holy and blameless, without fault. We're to lead our families with the word of God and not with our own desires. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. This verse tells us that we're to care for our wives and provide for her 
her needs for the same way that God provides for our needs. Husbands, dads, dads, since we're on Father's Day today, how often do you kiss your wife? How often do your kids see you kiss your wife? Yeah, it grosses them out. But honestly, that's part of the fun. But do your kids see the affection that you have for your wife? How often do you tell your wife that you love her in front of your children? How often do you show your love for her by helping her around the house and not say, sometimes dads become like, it's like a union. It's like, no, 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 that's not my job, that's her job. How often do we jump in and help out on things that we don't think is our role? Do our kids see that? Christ is there to help us. Do we do, do, do our kids see us helping our wives? When we married our wife, we became as one, and that becoming as one means that we no longer function independently, but we function together in one agreement. Doesn't mean we always agree, but we function in one agreement in all things. And and the Christians in the world belong to one body. The body is the body of Jesus Christ that saved each and every one of us and brought us together as Christians in one body for the glorification of Jesus Christ. Becoming one also means that we're married for life. <clears throat> if we want the respect of our wife, let's earn it. Earn it by loving her as Christ loved the church. And we may, and, and I know you may be sitting there thinking, Jim, that is a beautiful speech you just gave, but you do not know my wife. This woman nags and nags and nags. You don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> I do. If you want the respect by your wife, earn it by loving her as Christ loves the church. Jesus could say the same thing about you, bud. When we, when we pray to God, when, we, when we're on our knees, I mean, how selfish are our prayers sometimes? How nagging are our prayers to Jesus sometimes? But does Jesus complain? Does he stop loving us? No, Jesus continues to listen. He continues to listen. He continues to love us. Try listening and listening to your wife and watch her respect for you grow. If your children see the way you love your wife and how your wife respects her husband, then you will see children today that lo loves their parents and respects authority. One of the best ways to correct our children is to correct the example we're setting for them. I want to share with you one quick story and then I'll be done. It was probably, it was at least 10 years ago. <clears throat> and we were walking into a restaurant one evening and one of my boys, we, we've all seen it where a young man goes up and opens a door for an elderly couple, and well, same thing. We were walking up to the restaurant, elderly couples walking up to the restaurant doors, and one of my boys, here, let me get that for you, and opens the door for him. Well, I was like, you know, at a boy. Nice, nice job. Really didn't put that much more thought into it. But the husband, as he's walking by, put his hand on my shoulder, and I'll never forget this put his hand on my shoulder and he said he didn't get that from nowhere 
He's seen that a few times. Young men don't just pull that out of the sky. He's been taught that because he's seen it. Nice job, Dad. And when he said that, I was like, they see everything. They see everything. And it's scary. But we have, as fathers, we have an opportunity to impact our children through our actions and be as, as, as an example. <coughs> fathers of sons. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to tell you which child it was. I know my kids are going to ask me later, which one was it? They've all done it. But fathers of sons, we have to be the standard for how our kids, our sons, see how how they're supposed to treat a young woman as they grow older. Fathers of daughters, we have to be the standard for what is to expect from a young man when they begin to date. How they should be treated when they start dating. It's a responsibility that we carry with us every, every day that we breathe. Our kids are watching. What do they see? Do they see a man who is harsh, bitter, angry, hateful? Or do they see a man that loves Jesus Christ? Do they see a man that loves their mom? Do they see a man that, that admires their mother with passion and love that one day they will want to have themselves? Do they see someone that desires to be the man of her dreams? I remember the very first time I saw my wife. I'll never forget it. I was a new kid in school, a senior. Didn't know anybody. And about 500 some odd students. I could see her like she was standing right in front of me. And 20, almost 25 years later, she is still the most beautiful woman I've ever met. We never used the word man of her dreams. We use a, a different word um, where she'll say, you're my rock star. So whatever word you want to tag it with, you want to be the man of her dreams, you want to be her rock star, whatever word you want to tag it with, tag it with the best version of yourself. You want to be the, because a good, good father wants to give his wife the best version of himself. Pray with me. God, as we celebrate our fathers today, we give thanks for the fathers and the father figures in our lives. Being a, fa being a father, Lord, doesn't, doesn't come with a manual or a set of instructions. And as guys, it's not like we're going to read them anyway. But as we pull from the example that Christ set forth in the church to love our wives and to show this love to our children, to be Christ's example for our children, to hold our wives up as they deserve to be held, to give them the best version of ourselves as we strive and continue to be the man of her dreams. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm aware of the time. That clock says I have no time left. Pastor Jones says I've got to 2 o'clock. So I'll be quick. I'm tasked with the father's heart for his children. Today is Father's Day 2019, and I believe 
it's one of the most important days of the year. I believe that in this house, it can be a pivotal moment for each and every one of us that are here this morning. We all have a Heavenly Father. And that Heavenly Father, as it is displayed in Jeremiah 29, 11, a scripture we're all familiar with, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you and to give you hope and to give you a future. We all share in that vision that God has laid out for each and every one of us in this place today. If I could sum up one word, what I believe is, is that would wrap this message up as far as the influence that a father has in his children, from our Heavenly Father down to us, from our spiritual fathers into our life, and from us earthly fathers into our children or grandfathers into our grandchildren, it would be this word courage. I believe that courage is what we deposit, whether courage to do the right thing or courage to do the wrong thing. You've heard it said on this stage already that it's not necessarily the things that we say or the things that we intend to do, but it's the things that we live out, the things that we do day in and day out that are caught. It's not necessarily those times we try to teach, but it's those things that are caught that live out in our kids' lives. I believe it's displayed best in the story of Joshua. Joshua was in the shadow of Moses through his ministry. He was there when Moses needed somebody to go out on the front lines of battle. We know that it was Joshua, son of Nun, but you don't hear too much about that. What you always hear is this spiritual father, Moses, that was the one that led him. And we see that he was in the shadow when Moses was up on the mountain and he was trying to win the battle and his, his hands got weary. It was Aaron and Hur on each side that had to hold his hands up. And as long as his hands were up, Joshua had courage on the front line to lead God's people to the, to the battle line. And when his hands went down, somewhere courage was being lost on the front line of the battle. I believe in one word, the thing that fathers can deposit into their kids is courage. Courage to tackle the plans that God has for them. I believe that strength and courage, we see that displayed in Joshua 1 and 9. It says, have I not commanded thee? This was the words to Joshua, who had to go into the promised land and to lead God's people. He said, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. I believe it was the handles of strength and courage that Joshua grabbed a hold of as he led God's people right into the battle to take the promises that God had for him. And what we have to understand, and everyone in this place needs to grab a hold of, that when you live out the plans that God has for you in your life, you need to grab the handles of strength and courage and have the confidence that it is God that is with you everywhere that you go. We see that in God's Word. I wanted to get up here and tell you how great of a dad I was. But unfortunately, I tend to look at the places I fell short in my life. Sometimes we do that as fathers. We, we kind of were hard on ourselves. And I want to honor the fathers in this place. Because sometimes we do make mistakes. Sometimes we don't get it right, and that's okay. What we need to grab a hold of today is that it's never too late to start doing what is right. It's never too late. We need to grab a hold of the handles of strength and courage and start living out the plans that God has for us. Plans not to harm us, but to prosper us and to give us hope in a future. It's 
Today, we need to know that we need to have that kind of strength and that kind of courage to live this thing out. When I look back over my life, there are three men that I would say, as I stand here this morning, that have shaped the man that I am. My dad was in the first service. I was able to have him stand up, and I was able to honor him. My dad was a man's man. He always has been, and he always will be. He turns 80 next month, and you wouldn't know it when you see him. And one of the things I learned from my dad was a strong work ethic. I learned that at a young age. I, he would ask me if I wanted to help him do work on Saturdays, and I would always say yes on Friday. But at the age of 12 or 13, when he would go to wake me up on Saturday, I wanted to stay home and watch cartoons. And he would always make sure I got up because if I promised something on Friday, I was going to follow through with it on Saturday. He would tickle my feet. He would drip water on my forehead. He would do whatever he had to do, but I was getting out of bed. He taught me a strong, strong work ethic. He served our country in the Navy, and he went on after that to get on at local government where he would spend the rest of his career until he got to a point of retirement. And it's interesting, I didn't share it at the first service, but I feel compelled to share it here, is when he got started in his career just a few months in, he, was, he suffered a very bad injury. And in that injury, it was, it was life-threatening. He broke both of his legs. His lower back was damaged. He worked for the forestry department of that local government, and they had swung a log with a crane, and it had pinned him between the tire and that log. The only thing that saved his life was the fact that he was next to the tire when it happened. If it had been against any type of a fixed structure, he'd be dead. And they told him that he would be disabled. He'd never be able to work another day in his life. My dad crawled for six months, and he said, there's no way that I'm going to raise these two boys not seeing their dad go to work. And he got up. And he finished that career until he got to a point of retirement. He taught me strong work ethic. I can remember going to work with him. He was a heavy equipment operator at the airport after he worked at the forestry department at, the, at that local government. And he would take me to work with him. It's kind of neat when you go to work with your dad because you get to see how other guys uh, respect him or not respect him. And I'm telling you what, my dad was a quiet man, but he was respected. And I watched him carry a New Testament in his front pocket, and he would always share his faith when he was asked upon and believe me, if you want to share your faith, just carry a New Testament in your pocket because people are going to ask you questions. And they would begin to ask my dad questions, and I would watch as he would share his faith with men. He, he deposited courage in me, courage to, to work hard, courage to love my wife, courage to love my family, courage to reach for the things that God placed in my life that I didn't even know was there, but he gave me courage to reach for that. And this morning I honor him. The second major influence in my life is my father-in-law. Ray, I'd like you to stand up for a minute, if you would. Ray Phillips is my father-in-law, and I want you to know that this morning you can have a seat because I know you're going to get me later for having you stand, but I want you to know I honor you. I thank you for everything you've poured into my life. My father-in-law is a quiet man. You wouldn't know it by looking at him, but he's built many homes. He built the home my wife grew up in. I got to go over here because if I look at him, he'll make me cry. I'd never framed a wall in my life until I met this man, kind of like Jim in the starter. My wife thought I did it. Good father-in-laws, right? He taught me how to frame a wall. He taught me how to run electric. He taught me to hate plumbing. I hate plumbing. He taught me how to put a roof on a house. We must have roofed a dozen homes through the years. 
He taught me how to put siding on a home. He taught me how to lay flooring in a home. And we would have many conversations on that roof as he would tell me the importance of keeping not only God first, that's important, but boy, he laid it heavy on keeping family first and watching out and taking care of your family. I understood why he guarded my wife so much when I dated her. And I would go on to raise two daughters that I think I guarded even a little bit harder than he guarded Angie. He taught me how to do that. And today, I love you and I honor you. The third major influence in my life, and he gets to do this to a lot of people, and I'm going to do it to him this morning. Pastor Ray, if you would stand. Today, Pastor Ray, I honor you. You're my brother-in-law, and when it comes to family, we're more brothers than we are brother-in-laws. I get that. And when it comes to family, you know, you share your heart with your family. And I can remember being in my 20s, and God was doing things. He'd put a Church of God pastor in the office with me. There were only two positions out of 3,000 employees in the organization that I worked at, and he put me in an office with a Church of God pastor. I'm telling you, he had my attention for four years. And through that time, a lot of things I had heard through the years began to develop in the plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God had for my life. And I can remember sharing those stories with Pastor Ray. He was a youth pastor here. And he looked at me one day and he said, man, I see a spark of ministry in you. And he reached up on his wall back there in the office and he took this poster down that said, fight fire with fire. And he handed it to me. I took it and I hung it on my office at work at the city I worked at. And man, that created all kinds of conversation, and in that office led many to the Lord in the sinner's prayer, in that office. One guy filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, through those years, he began to develop and shape God's plan that he had for me. He gave me my first ministry opportunity. I, I taught third and fourth grade boys in this, in this church here. I'm telling you, that takes courage. Anybody taught third and fourth grade boys before? You're going to have to be strong, and you're going to have to be very courageous, like Joshua, before you go into that room, let me tell you. But God was shaping me into something that God had for me, and I didn't even realize it. And he was using Pastor Ray as a spiritual father to mold me into who I was to be. And there I would teach a high school class on Wednesday night, and it could go on and on. But he deposited in me the courage to do the things that I didn't know that I could do for God. I didn't know it until he began to pour into me. Today, we take a look at the heart of the Father for his children. And we need to consider those who God has put in our life to pour into us, to fulfill his word for us. And that is the plans that he has for each and every one of us. I want you to take a moment today and think of those people that have shaped your life and shaped you who you are. And that goes for every man and woman in this place. Think of the fathers, the spiritual fathers those people who have poured into your life, and I want you to take a minute out of your day, and I want you to thank them for what they've done for you. And take time to thank our Heavenly Father, because ultimately it's His plan at work through them in your life. As I get ready to close, it was a few weeks ago that I was working on a, a front door at our house. Men tend to procrastinate, and my father-in-law, who helps me do everything, helped me put a front door in my house a year and a half ago. Never got a chance to paint it. Never got a chance to trim it out. Finally had a, a minute this spring, and I got the door painted, and I needed to, got it all foamed in. I needed to trim it out. 
So I'm out there and I got my tape measure. Angie's here at the church. She's practicing with the church choir, getting ready to, or church group, getting ready to go do youth camp. And I got my two grandsons, but I'm babysitting. I got a two-year-old and a three-year-old. We're talking about shaping the next generation. So I'm out there, and in Zechariah's famous words that he loves to say to me, he comes up and he says, Papa, what are you doing? Number one, I didn't have a Hot Wheel in my hand. I didn't have something that he wanted to play with, so he wanted to know what I was doing. So I began to halfway explain to him that, that Gigi wants this trim around the door, and I've got to get this trim put up, and I've been sitting on this for way too long. I've got to get it done. I took the tape measure out. I went out. I measured the length of the, of the trim, and I went in, and I made the cut, and I went, and I nailed the first piece up. And in the process of doing that, I turned around, and Zechariah had a tape measure in his hand, Jeff. He had stretched it over his little tyke's horse from head to tail. He took it sideways. He took it from the hoof and had it all the way up to the top ear, trying to check the, the length and the width of that horse. If that wasn't good enough, I came into the garage, and his little brother, Brooks, who does everything he does, had taken a tape measure, another one, and he had it stretched up on the trash can, the tongue hanging out the side of his mouth with an ink pen, trying to make a mark on the trash can. And never before had I had conviction hit my heart like it did in that moment. Fathers, they're watching. They're watching everything we do. Those two little boys didn't know anything about a tape measure. They didn't know what it was, what it was used for, how to read it, or how to use it properly. But they saw me with it in my hand, and they picked it up. And that's an example for every father in this place. Maybe you haven't had it right in the past, but it's never too late to start doing what's right. And I'm telling you, he hit me here between the services, and that was about the Word of God. And sometimes we can carry this thing in and out of God's house, and it's like a tape measure if we don't know how to use it. If we don't know how to read it, it's no different than my grandson having a tape measure in his hand. It looked like he knew what he was doing. He acted like he knew what he was doing, but, but he couldn't perform the use of that tape measure or do what needed to be done. It reminds me of a job me and my father-in-law had to go do where we had to redo a trim in a bathroom where somebody snapped the trim over their knee and nailed it up. It was bad. My father-in-law always told me, he said, if it's worth doing something, it's worth doing it right. I think James has heard me say that many times to him as I get the opportunity to pour into my son-in-laws. Guys, I want you to grab a hold of the handles of strength and courage. The words that were spoken into Joshua's life need to be spoken new and fresh into every heart and every life in this place today. Be strong and very courageous and understand that the Lord your God is with you everywhere that you go. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for every man in this house, every father in this house, God, the influence knows no bounds. We stand on a platform of influence every day of our life, and we don't even realize that we're standing on it. God, I pray that you would give us the, the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom to grab a hold of strength and courage and follow you, God, right into your word to find out your heart for this generation and for our families, God. I worship you, Lord. I honor you, and I give you praise this morning for all that you've done and for every father in this house. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? What inspiration, what challenge, what a beautiful service we've had today. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's thank all of our speakers. We felt the presence of the Lord. He's been here in a mighty way. We have been preached to the Word of God and the application to our lives. I feel like there's nothing left to do except say, on your mark, get set, go. Because we've got enough in here today to go out and make, make it beautiful for our families and for our life. I hope that you celebrate today. I know my brother did it, but I want to say happy Father's Day to my dad who I love with all my heart, and I'm thankful for him, and we're going to celebrate him all day today, so we're going to do that. You go and celebrate your father, and uh, yes, oh, and don't forget, as we say on your mark, get set, go, that you go out here and get your picture taken, please post them all on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, photo album, <laughs> post them everywhere. Do everything you can to honor and celebrate. And don't forget to pick up your free gift, guys. We got candy bars marked for you today. So we want you to have those. Pick up at least one, two. If there's any left, pick them all up. I don't care. Just make sure we have those. God bless you. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Amen.